Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are doing a special Twin Peaks season two discussion with our special guest, John Bernardi. Welcome, hey John. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me back. Of course. Yeah, we're Our excited favorite to talk. favorite Twin Peaks guest. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to discuss all things season two. Yeah. And since we've talked to you last, you've started your own Twin Peaks podcast. <laughs> yes, I have. It's Blue Rose Task Force podcast. We, um, the the same week that you put out your season two finale is the, when I put out my um, killer reveal episode. episode. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, like we're... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's well in progress. And yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to do. Like I, I do deep dives. I do like full spoilers all the way through the end of season three, etc. And yeah, like I try to do everything from production history all the way to the the deepest tinfoil hat kind of stuff you can think of and like try to <laughs> rationalize it all together and you know <laughs> you know just yeah. Like, yeah like what what is the essence of Twin Peaks essentially <laughs> I was just listening to your killer reveal and I was like hey he was with us so we got to the killer reveal <laughs> <laughs> not quite it was it was like what two episodes after that the um the one oh, where well, Leland dies <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. But still, it was all wrapped up in the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I really appreciate you having me back because I love, I love getting to these benchmark episodes with you guys. I, I love your show. <laughs> oh, thank oh, you. Thanks. <laughs> How many Twin Peaks podcasts are you guesting on? Every <laughs> the the most I'll guest is once a month. I <laughs> I have okay. so little bandwidth outside that you know, like yeah, yeah. But you guys are always on my list whenever you ask. Oh, awesome. awesome! Well, I was seeing you on another podcast, and I was like, I didn't even know that one existed. <laughs> <laughs> nice discovery. I know there's so many. Mm -hmm. it's just like jane austen podcast i didn't know any of them existed and now every time i turn around there's another one that i was like oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh we got to the end i feel like you were watching it at the same time as me as a child yep. so <laughs> i was gonna ask like do you have any memories of the final bit like do you remember it being canceled do you remember watching it and going what's happening i mean yeah okay so we we had tv guide in my house so you know it's like the cheers and jeers and all those kind of sections like i i like i heard the thing about like how the final thing when it went on hiatus was like josie in a drawer pull and you know it's just right. like i you know like who knows but like i i already <laughs> took a break at that point like i came back oh. like when in january of 91 like the first episode was when you know it denise's first episode so like it, it's kind of in that time period and like i i watched it but like i wasn't ready to come back after <laughs> after all the bob trauma <laughs> and, oh, um, yeah, you know yeah. it's like you know what i i just need a break they're not talking about like you know catching bob at this point so like you know what i i just need to i i, I need to like i i think it was a mental health thing and like i just didn't know that i was taking a mental health break because <laughs> mm -hmm. you know that, the language didn't really exist for that back then right 
<laughs> but the show itself was taking a mental health break, so ironically, you could have probably kept watching it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't realize they were also doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I, I ended up missing out on, like, you know, it getting preempted by uh, Desert Storm. Like, all, all that stuff was just, like, lost to me. Like, I didn't catch up on these until Bravo back in, like, 1995 when I finally saw it there. Oh, interesting. But my mom had watched the whole thing. And like, you know, it's like I'd peek in every once in a while. Like I remember seeing Rusty in the chess piece at the beginning of episode 27. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like so so like random things like that. I, I was still kind of cognizant of Twin Peaks. Uh -huh. But yeah, like they I, I don't realize how it was publicized, but like I did know that they were coming back for one final movie, you know, in June of 91. And I said, you know what? This show was big for me. Like it's I, I, I really do want to see how it ends. So I came back for that. I had never seen Wyndham Earl before. So like, you know, like when he had like the black teeth and everything, wow. that that was the first uh -huh. time I ever saw him. Oh, and wow. it was just like, whoa, this guy is scary. So like I missed out. <laughs> I missed out on his uh, Joker impression from Batman 66. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I just knew him <laughs> as the scary dude. And um, like I didn't know who Annie was. She was this giant mystery to me. And wow, you know, like you know, it's like, oh wow, you know, Cooper's going into the lodge for for her. She must be huge. And um, you know, like I, I'm I'm just thinking about all these things. And then like the this gut punch at the end, you know, it's like I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm a kid who like actually wore a trench coat <laughs> in, in high school because of this show. You know, it's like Cooper was that yeah, cool and like that impressionable to me that like, wow. you know, it's like even after I saw this, you know, it's like I'm still like, you know, trying to trying to kind of emulate him in a way. And, um, you know, so like th this was this was a big hit for me. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. oh, my God, like, why in the world did this happen? So like. You know, it's like I, I've wondered, you know, it's like, how do you get how do you get Cooper out of the lodge? You know, it's like all, all these thoughts like for yes, for, you know, at least decades. So did you not watch the end till right before Firewalk with me? No, no, no. I watched the ending on June. Uh, yeah, I mean, June 10th, 1991, like when when the final oh, two oh, episodes oh. aired. You just didn't watch the previous. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. The um. There was like nine episodes that I missed the first time it ran. Oh, okay. But then in 1995 is when I saw all those. Right. right okay. 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 I but, gotcha. you know, like the, the fascination. <laughs> so you still had this long, uh, like, wondering what is what's happened to Cooper before the movie came out. Oh, easily. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, what happened to Cooper was like this thing that I knew, like, from from that moment that it aired on television, like. Mm -hmm. up until today <laughs> <laughs> totally <Yeah>. totally <laughs> yep because i can remember that question like haunting me for years oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he's a paragon you know it's like he's the guy who saves the day from like the worst of the darkness and you know it's like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Well, have you since you started rewatching it for the podcast? I mean, I know mm -hmm. you you've written tons of articles, so you've probably rewatched a million times and done all this a million times. <laughs> Not but... as much as you would think. <laughs> <laughs> well, has rewatching it this time changed like your perspective on any of the stories, mm -hmm. or made you had new theories? Yeah, anything like that. Yeah. Well, I've I've kind of always 
been on the wavelength that like, you know, like the Nadine and the Ben Horn and Civil War stuff like that was all kind of like this magical realism brought to life and whatnot. You know, it's like it's like, I feel like, you know, from from season two, I feel all the supernatural stuff, you know, like the influence of the town. But mm-hmm. like, you know, going back and watching it from the beginning, like it's it's there the whole time. You know, it's like the I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, sure. The the Black Lodge wasn't really a place that you could physically access until like the last, you know, six or seven episodes when when they were kind of finally going in that direction from the writer's room. Mm-hmm. But right. you know, it's it's always kind of been there. Like even even before Cooper gets shot, you know, it's like there's all this all this kind of magical realism that is still happening. It's just a little bit more under the surface and it's just not focused on for a while. Right. But like the yeah. mechanics, the the mechanics of how Twin Peaks works on its people, I, I've I've kind of likened this to um, you know the weather, you know it's like you know people people in Minnesota, you know it's like they they expect snow, they just know how to drive in it, you know they know what's not safe to drive in. But then you know like if you're over in California, like you've never seen the snow, <laughs> and you right. know like all, all it has to do, or or like uh, you know. Uh, what was it? Like Texas anytime or... I go somewhere yeah. where it's raining and mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that kind of thing. Or like, you know, Atlanta got shut down because they had like a quarter inch on the ground of, of snow. And like, you know, it was like nothing yeah. but traffic accidents. So like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the one time so... it snowed in Jacksonville, the town was shut down. For yeah, a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like if you've got this this portal that gives you access to, you know, lodges, <laughs> right. you know, it's like it, it's going to affect the town kind of strangely so like things like nadine you know thinking she's 18 you know it's like maybe you do just kind of let her get through the delusion because i mean that's just kind of what you do you Mm -hmm. you handle the you handle the feeling of twin peaks differently because of you know how how close you are to the to the woods yeah yeah i'm always kind of amazed when i go back after like watching Firewalk with me or even watching season three mm-hmm. or even watching the end of season two and going back to the beginning. It's yeah. like the continuity of the show is somehow crazily very accurate, even though it mm-hmm. seems completely like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like just disconnected, arbitrary, almost yeah. like, you know, just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're just going from idea to idea. But then you go back and you're like, well, <laughs> this was all set up in like the first episode. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because of the foundation of the the mythology. You know, it's like it, it can handle pretty much any plot you throw at it. It's it's the tone of it that I mean, as long as the tone's good, everything's perfect. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, OK, for the back half, like since the last time we talked to you, the back half yeah. of season two, what is your favorite storyline and has it <laughs> changed over time? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I've I mean, you know, d- just the the Wyndham Earl stuff, you know, it's like that. Mm-hmm. that's the stuff that I needed to know about more than anything else. So, like, that's what I was, like, fixated on all the way through, like, maybe uh, you know, 2004-ish, you know, like, uh, right by by the time the season two DVDs finally came out, you know, it's like I, I was all about the Wyndham Earl stuff. And I think around then, like once I once I sated enough of that <laughs> in my brain, <laughs> you know, it's like I I um I just end up enjoying like all of it. Honestly, it's like the the Ben Horn thing. It's like I kind of get what it's doing. 
And, you know, I understand that, you know, Ken Burns Civil War was huge then. And that's why it was written mm. in the show. Da, da, da. So, you know, it's like I kind of get that, you know, it's not some kind of weird allegory, you know, <laughs> right. like, right, yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. But um, but um, I, I think the Nadine and Mike thing is is like at my heart, my favorite, you know, it's like, yeah, of course, <laughs> I, I remember talking to Sparkwood in 21 about this, like, you know, like they, they ask, you know, it's like, what do you want to see happen in season three? And, you know, it's like my, my only answer, I think, was that I kind of wanted Mike and Nadine to be together. <laughs> I know by the end, you're just like, I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're totally, they're, they're totally mired in delusion for the whole thing, but they're really cute. You know, like once, once, you know, once she kind of changes Mike's mind or whatever. So, I mean, you know, it's like it doesn't start healthy at all. But, you know, like by the time they're actually a couple, right. it's like, wow, this actually works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the double delusion it's, kind of fits. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was definitely one of our favorite storylines. Yeah. I mean, maybe our favorite story. Yeah. I think anything <laughs> involving Nadine is my favorite. Yeah. I think she's just such a chaotic character in the she's best good. way. She's comedy, yeah. she's drama, she's everything. Yeah. Well, did you have a least favorite? Because I know I did, but it has changed. You know, it's not <laughs> as least favorite anymore. My least favorite has never changed. It's always James and Evelyn. Yeah. Yeah. I... But this time watching it through, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say this time watching it through, I was much more tolerant of it. I didn't, you know, I, I liked it more and I got, you know, I kind of like liked Evelyn more. I feel like mm -hmm. previous times this was always like, okay, let's just get through this. Let's fast forward because I don't care about the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I'm not exactly against it, but yeah, it's like when you leave Twin Peaks, it kind of like, I don't know. I mean, up until, you know, even yeah. even up until season three happened, you know, it's like, you know, if you leave the town, it kind of goes south. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of stood by that for a long time and I <laughs> still kind of do from the original series. So, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, ah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they could have played out the soapiness of it because of the situation that was being set up of her like brother who's actually like her lover her like secret lover blah blah, blah mm -hmm. and like the but james is just such a a boring character i think <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know who to blame necessarily but there's just i don't find him very interesting and so anything involving just him i'm just like okay I'm yeah well, well right i don't before that mm -hmm. i was just gonna say you're about to get to it on your podcast but right before that he had just been such a jerk to Donna and then mm -hmm. left and done this whole storyline. You're like, why do I even care about you? <laughs> yeah. <know. laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the same episode, he proposes to her and then he leaves her. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, hot and cold, so buddy. <laughs> uh, I think actually we did talk about that on our, the last time we mm -hmm. had you on. <laughs> Okay, so you were mentioning that you have been, for your podcast, mm -hmm. figuring out a lot about, like, who contributed what. And I was just wondering, like, what do you feel like directors besides Lynch brought to the show versus what Lynch himself brings to it? And, like, it, do you think that they both add things? You know, like, what, yes. what is your opinion on that? Okay, so it seems like, basically, Lynch approved everything in the wardrobe. Every single episode, for sure. 
you know, it's like he he wanted all the visual elements to be very precise. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, he let everybody use it the way they wanted to, because, you know, it's like he he basically improvises when he's there. I mean, he sticks to the script, but, you know, he'll change things around. So, like, you know, he'll keep the heart of the script in in mind every single time, even in even in the season two finale, when, you know, he like rewrote a whole bunch of stuff, you know, it's like mm -hmm. he still kept it to the plot in the flow that it was supposed to go basically but you know it's like what you do about it is kind of your own business uh and you know he let every other director kind of do that too like you know todd holland you know he came in with that idea for that ceiling tile thing you know like where um you know it comes out mm -hmm. on leland when he's all you know being interrogated about Jacques' murder mm -hmm. you know it's like that that was just something that todd holland pitched and you know because everybody loved the idea they they let it happen you know things like that so like the the visuals were allowed to be whatever the director wanted to bring to it you know within reason mm -hmm. because you know it, it's designed to handle david lynch's whims so right. <laughs> every other director was also allowed to have that and uh, yeah yeah like they they would they would write scripts one at a time like you know in sequence so like if a director ends up bringing something to it then that ends up kind of getting incorporated in the scripts later on too so yeah like yeah. each each individual director kind of had their own stamp on the show that's a little bit more than just you know what you could see at face value yeah i found it very interesting because there's so long of a time where there's no David Lynch directed episodes and mm -hmm. all the directors bring like their Lynchian sensibilities to <laughs> it. And it feels like it's very, you know, like the continuity is there until you get to the last episode and you're like, Oh, okay. That's what David Lynch. Is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then there's things that like they that the other directors bring in that he continues to use yeah. in the future, like Firewalk yeah. with Me, and mm -hmm. he's even more like in control of it. Yeah, yeah, like Tim Hunter's yeah. Kabuki makeup on Wyndham Earl, like that was yeah. that was Tim Hunter's just random thing, and Lynch, you know, said, "Hey, I love it," <laughs> and like Steve Gyllenhaal in uh, episode 27 with the with the shaky hands thing mm -hmm. that happened. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, it's like he. he yeah yeah that that's the other part that lynch would do it's like he would he would watch the final cuts of other directors and like you know he'd he'd ask for like maybe a little bit here a little bit there but you know he he would have certain comments for them so like he was always kind of paying attention to things but only in yeah. like this you know it's like we're we're gonna let you play and mm -hmm. do your thing and then you know i'll just you know kind of course correct a little bit here and there if the tone's off yeah. yeah, I think that's kind of like the cool thing about the supernatural element of Twin Peaks is that it's not clearly defined as something It's kind of like very vague and very loose. And so mm -hmm. it allows all these directors to be like, as we get closer to the end, when like the, the veil between the two like realms, you could say is thinning, mm -hmm. we could have all this chaotic energy come through and it could be anything. It could be the yeah. shaking hands or it can be the kabuki makeup. Like reality is kind of like losing its footing yes i love that yeah me too okay so what okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay this is kind of like a two-part question first of all i it's gonna be a little bit tricky because we don't want to spoil anything but yes. <laughs> what do you think the impact of the like cliffhangerish ending was on future twin peaks and then i also want to ask next what do you think 
would have happened in a season three if it had not been canceled. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not exactly sure how to answer the first part. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Without spoilers. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really difficult to, to know how that's supposed to go. But I do know that, um, Fire Walk With Me initially was a lot more like mythology based and whatnot. And um, Lynch kind of took it into different directions to kind of pull it almost away from that. And, you know, this is all based on like Robert Engels talking about it over the years. Mm -hmm. So, like, I I think that the season two finale would have had more impact at one point. And, you know, like it could have been like a series of movies or whatnot. And like there's a thing about that. If it was going to be a regular season three and a TV show, there would have been Cooper's brother. There would have been Major Briggs and I'm trying to remember who else, but Major Briggs would have been like really instrumental in like going into the lodge and rescuing Cooper. And um, Mm. and Engels had this idea that like, you know, they they wanted to like do like a a 10 year time jump or something like that after they satisfy getting Cooper out of the lodge. And oh, really? um, and then he was going to be a pharmacist in town and like some characters would be gone. <laughs> some people would. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, he, would, he would be in town <laughs> and, uh, you know, like and and, you know, all the kids would be out of high school so that the writers would never have to write students again because they were kind of <laughs> done with that, as I'm pretty well, sure. Probably, probably like the by that point anyway. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like you know, like they, they had all these ideas like that. But, you know. Uh, Engels also said that, you know, it's like, but, you know, network constraints, that was never actually going to be able to happen. So, you know, they they were just spitballing stuff at that point. (laughs) Sounds very Riverdale. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Uh Yeah, because they they set up so much stuff that like most of it is actually kind of touched upon in season three, except for like Ben being knocked out. So I was wondering, like, would he be in a coma for season three? <laughs> or because I don't think they would have killed him, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But oh yeah, yeah. They um I based on some stuff that Jack Nance said, and I mean Audrey, obviously, you know, like I mm-hmm. at Twin Peaks Fest, uh the first one that Father she and attended. And comas next to each other. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like uh you know, uh, she she called up uh, Lynch and basically was very upset. And you know, he he basically told her uh, then, like before the show was even canceled, and it's like, you know, don't worry, we'll get her out of this. You know, we'll find some way to get her out of this. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so like uh, uh, she was safe. Uh, Pete was more survivable than you would think. I think that's the quote that that uh, Nance had. <laughs> yeah, so like you know, they they were going to make it through the explosion. God, I'm trying to think what else. I'm assuming Ben Horn would. Two of your most beloved characters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ben, ben is like one of the only villains that they let survive. You know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> him and Catherine would still need to be in play. So, like, you know, a forehead injury. I think they could probably just, you know, brush that off. That you know, like maybe he gets to be, you know, good Ben Horn for real this time or something. <laughs> or yeah. go back to bad because we know how every time someone gets a head injury, they're personality completely changed mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right 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 yeah but i don't think he'd had one at that point so he'd probably go like uber good or something for a little bit <laughs> well, that'd be interesting <laughs> it'd be really cool yeah okay so now i just want to kind of want to get into some of these storylines that um, sure. we never got to talk about with you okay so like audrey 
John Jack Justice mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Jack John, as we call him. <laughs> <laughs> because he's got so many names that people call him every name. Mm-hmm. What what how do you feel about that storyline? I really hate it, but (laughs) I really like John Justice Wheeler. I mean, I always have like, I mean, sure. You know, I mean, he's um, he's like a certain kind of patriarchy personified. But, you know, Mm -hmm. at the time, like that was that was like a good guy, you know, (laughs) right? Like, you know, even even in like, you know, 2000, when I was watching the tapes through, it's like some of the stuff that he did was actually pretty cool. You know, it's like he um, he he had have you ever been able to figure out exactly what his job was oh no no but you know that that was that was unimportant you know because they give two explanations in the same episode yeah they they only wrote him in to be like a a romantic interest for audrey you know it's like so like anything after that was just set dressing but you know it's like he um you know he came in with certain ideas you know that that whole like you know has a picture of her playing heidi and it's like i don't know but you know back then you know people still didn't complain when you know 40 year old men were um you know having romantic interest with their you know 20 something co-stars um you know like half of this is a jane austen podcast yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i mean it's like nobody nobody even thought about that you know it's like he he was actually closer to her age range than you know most of those in her in real life (laughs) Yeah, he was. I didn't even put that together. That's funny. No wonder why they looked like they were a match. Yeah, but um, like I, I like John Justice Wheeler, and you know, like even, even, even when they had like that passing the torch scene with uh, him and Cooper, you know, it's like you know, love is hell, and you know, and then like they have a discussion about you know, like what love is, you know, it's like just things like that were kind of neat, and I liked that he was kind of this subtle kind of character. Yeah. Uh, we kind of already talked about Nadine, Mike, Norma, and Ed, unless you, was there anything else about yeah, not, that storyline that you really wanted to? Not exactly, but in the, in the script, um, Nadine actually comes in a lot stronger, like instead of, you know, the, it's not fair, you know, stuff like that. Like there's no heartbreak in her when she wakes up, according to the script. I think she was coming out of it, Lynch. I mean, uh, uh, Frost is very young, Ian. And, you know, it's like uh-huh. with dream analysis, like you kind of like integrate yourself and whatever. I, I kind of feel like Nadine was supposed to come out of that head, head injury a lot stronger and a lot more you know, like integrated together. with herself. And yeah. like, I kind of feel like uh, Lynch set her backward in in that way. You know, it's like it's more about it. It's more realistic this way, too. You know, it's like, you mm-hmm. know, it takes a while before you can get out of your your damaging cycles and right yeah so like i kind of think that like she would have come out as more of a powerhouse for whatever they were going to do in season three and that would have made an interesting dynamic between her and ed and and norma yeah this time going through i kind of was a little more disappointed with ed in general just like yes what is wrong with you Right. Can you please well, he, just he, speak up for what you want in life? He very yeah. clearly wanted out of that relationship and <laughs> was maybe scared of Nadine to say that. Yeah. But, yeah. Which I can understand since she threw people around the house all the time. But mm. well, <laughs> true, yeah. True, yeah. <laughs> but I think what would have been really cool for like a season three would be since she has this superhuman strength to like recruit her for saving Coop from the lodge make her yeah give her this like redemption arc where she's like kind of finding her independence and it's kind of like utilizing her gifts 
That would have been fun. Yeah. And we needed like a whole another different kind of storyline for Norma that Ed could be a part of. That would have been cool for season three. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. We also kind of touched on this, but James, Evelyn, Donna. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, they, they were throwing in a crime noir storyline. And Very I noir. think <laughs> I think that's one that they bumped up a little bit. Like they, they probably added more scenes to that with the whole um, Cooper not being in a romantic relationship with audrey mm-hmm. although oh, yeah, oh shoot yeah. never mind never mind um the that whole thing like okay so after after episode 16 when oh god leland dies and everything they were going to go forward with a cooper and audrey romance but mm. because that didn't happen that actually set the set the stage for denise bryson to be created and came in and they that whole Jean renault storyline with uh, mm. Dead Dog Farm, like that exists only because of the Audrey storyline uh, not going forward. Oh, yeah, I was actually going to bring that storyline up because that was that was kind of like the, I guess, almost like the Bob equivalent story during that mm-hmm. section. It was like the big FBI yeah. mystery type mm-hmm. story. Um, I don't think Jean Renault quite lives up to the villain status that other villains in the series <laughs> i achieve. i can understand that but i mean he he's just a worldly villain you know it's like he mm-hmm. he lives in the True. the darker the the darker shadows of twin peaks and you know it's like he he's he's kind of between he's like the um the crime version of ben horn and yeah. i love that performance like i I, I could I could see Jean Renault being a great villain, like popping in and out. You know, it's like he would be a great B plot villain that you would also mm-hmm. add mm-hmm. to things. But like, of course, they have to kill him because they always killed their villains in Twin Peaks. Of course, you know, it's like, dude, <laughs> you, you had you had this magic right here. It's like don't Except for the main them. villain, which well, can't be killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But Bob only shows up every once in a while. I think it would have been interesting if Jean had had some sort of bob interaction or you know yeah. vibe or something mm-hmm. i i don't i'm not like i'm gonna be honest i didn't necessarily love i didn't dislike but i didn't love that storyline because it didn't feel like he was given enough time to be as complex of a villain as mm-hmm. i would have liked yeah and it just felt a little bit filler to me yeah. compared to like they kind of rushed through it yeah yeah and based on its origin it totally makes sense that that should kind of feel that way right and so i like once we got to like those parts that's where i, I think i kept bringing up that i feel like we were drifting away from like the mm-hmm. twin peaks of it like the the mysticism and like even like the laura palmer aspect of it it just yeah. felt like we were going a really far away from it and it just mm-hmm. I didn't mind it, but I would have liked maybe like let's intertwine some of those original themes in. Yeah. But it brought us Denise, which is Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I did like Denise. Yeah, that's a, a nice character. bonus. That's really weird is that um Mark Frost actually intended to make shorter story arcs from that point forward because everybody was complaining. Yeah, I mean, this was back when you had to be in front of your TV or record it in order to see it at all. And then it just never re-airs. So like there were there there was like this common complaint about Twin Peaks that like, oh, man, if you miss an episode, you may as well just stop watching. So (laughs) um, there, there was actually this story edict that 
you know, it's like we're going to make shorter uh, story arcs that, you know, you don't have to be mired in continuity to absorb. And, you know, like they, they were kind of testing out stories like, you know, if Twin Peaks was on the air for like five years, you know, it's like what kind of storylines would it be? You know, that kind of thing. And like, that's how we got these shorter things like, you know, mm. the marshlands or whatever you call Evelyn's place. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, <laughs> the dead dog farm thing being only in like, what, three or four episodes. Yeah, I mean, things like yeah. that, like they, they wanted to have these shorter small things oh yeah me too be able to pay attention (laughs) i mean like a real soap opera the storylines go on for years yeah (laughs) yeah but this was a primetime soap that wasn't daily so yeah like i i i understand the instinct to make the shorter storylines but yeah like you know in, in hindsight mark frost has always come back and said you know it's like uh you know, <laughs> seeing how it actually went. Yeah, you know, we should have introduced Wyndham Earl sooner. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the Ben breakdown? Bobby becoming a weird greaseball. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, <laughs> assistant, yeah. kind of. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, of Ben. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, Bobby is a high schooler who's supposed to be in school. What do we do with him? I don't know. Let's put him here and see what happens. I have a very, like, yeah, love-hate relationship because he's yep. a great actor and he really plays mm-hmm. Bobby great. But yep. And sometimes he's written really, you know, you really like him, but so yeah. much of the time, he's just such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did not like Bobby as a character until I finally saw him in Fire Walk with me. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, it's like that. And yeah. and that's like when James Marshall figured out James finally was in Firewalk with me. It's like, oh, I finally <laughs> understand my character. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, it's like, I think, yeah, I don't know. But but the whole Ben Horn thing, he he and Nadine are doing the same exact thing. You know, it's like they're going through these internal delusion states and like they're kind of like finding themselves. They're pushing through like these these traumatic moments that they can't deal with. Mm-hmm. and yeah, like I, I find it especially interesting that they're doing that after Bob had left Leland and like there's like this whole like darkness like covering the entire town and everything. And like that's why everything yeah. gets kind of crazy and mm-hmm. you know, like a little more screwball comedy and everything. Yeah, it's like it's off balance <laughs> because it is off balance. Right. So I I've always read it as been like, you know, pretty much what they present to us as being the truth. But I feel like you can watch it and think of Ben just being completely manipulating everybody during this whole thing. And if you ever thought about it that way, or if what's your opinion on Ben's mental state? (laughs) I, I think it's sort of a Leland Bob kind of argument in that way, because like, you know, he does kind of come out of it here and there, you know, like Catherine, you know, like whatever it was like the, when she comes to gloat. True. Yeah. Like it's, um, like, I think he is still in there, but like, it, it's just the weather pattern in Twin Peaks. You know, it's like sometimes, you know, it, it lets it lets your um, your your thoughts take over a little bit more than they need to. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I <laughs> can I come also, up with. <laughs> this is just my own speculation, it, which I don't think we really talked about. But I always wonder, did him. Did Leland being evil and killing his daughter, is that what made him snap? Is it 
the fact that he was almost accused or was it the fact that he almost slept with his daughter? I can't really <laughs> decide which one of these really sent him over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a combo. Yeah. Maybe it's a combo of all of them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of read into these like these like mental crises as like um, once Bob had left and this kind of chaos started to fill the hole that he had left, mm-hmm. I felt like each character was kind of like grappling with like their innermost desires in a way. Like you look at Nadine and she like the way I see Nadine and Ed is that Ed is very kind of like very apparent and that he probably doesn't really want to be with Nadine and doesn't treat her like he should not Mm -hmm. in a bad way, but she kind of just wants to feel loved. And so she goes back to this like teenage, like super lovey dovey time and then you look at Ben and he kind of is going through all the stuff and he's kind of losing control a little bit with like mm-hmm. one eye Jack's being taken away. And so I feel like he was kind of in a way you could look at it as manipulative because that's kind of like his inner core is always kind of been manipulative. And so mm-hmm. he's kind of playing on that. Like, I just want to take a break. And so I'm just kind of just going to let go of everything since I'm losing control of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I read yeah. into it. Yep. One of my favorite little storylines is Gordon Cole and <laughs> yes. hear Shelley speak. I love that yeah. And kind of like almost reigniting Bobby and Shelley's relationship by yeah. mm-hmm. making Bobby jealous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love David Lynch. So yeah. you know, him coming out and being a character was really a great part of the story. Mm-hmm. He's just so funny. He's really good at playing everything over the top and kind of breaking the ice of all the tension. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's see what else. Uh, there was the, oh, there's the whole Josie, Andrew Packer, <laughs> Thomas Eckhart. That was a real, I mean, there the, the one episode after Josie goes into the doorknob and Harry is having his own breakdown. It's like the most noir of noir yes. <laughs> settings. But like, what what about that whole storyline? You said you stopped <laughs> watching after Josie went into the doorknob. Um, no, no, it was before that. So like, oh, it was okay, all new okay. to me at the that. Bravo yeah. viewings. <laughs> 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 I was okay with it, but I mean, it's it's the mill plot, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. the, right. the mill plot is just like that. I mean, that's what made season one what it was. And like that kind of vibe carried all the way through to the end of, of Josie. And yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, putting putting her in a maid costume and all that kind of stuff was just like, oh, boy, guys, that's, uh, mm. that's, yeah. Well, it's all Catherine, you know? Like, <sighs> yeah. Catherine yeah. is this problematic person. And mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, not a good person. Chuck it all yeah. on her. At all. <laughs> She's got some weird... Uh racial things going on yeah (laughs) and i mean then you know it's like everybody was worried about the japanese taking over the youth with nintendo you know it's like mind control from the you know so i mean like there there was all this just overt racism anyway and i i know there still is but Mm. like it seems like at least now we can acknowledge it whereas then it was just like part of the landscape and i just feel bad that that part kind of intruded into twin peaks for perpetuity too Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I feel like it was such a misuse of Josie, who mm-hmm. was such a gr- such a gr- one of my favorite characters, really. If you think about it, like I feel like she had so much potential mm-hmm. to be this major player, 
Yeah. And they just kind of like threw her away. It was yeah. really disappointing. Yeah. Well, part of that yeah, is a behind the scenes yeah, thing, yeah. though, too. Like they, mm-hmm. um, Joan, Joan Chen wanted to be written out of the show. And like that oh. was the end game they decided to give her. Mm. Which is just kind of like, ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the best it worked for the what they had written because, like, she's just got all of this, mm-hmm. all these forces, like, against her. And yeah. even though she is a, a powerful character in her own right, she mm-hmm. can't really fight all of these forces. What I didn't like was going back and reading what Mark Frost had written about her in like secret history, I think, of Twin Peaks. Where oh, well, he changed that's... her entire backstory. And I was like, yeah. Oh, approve of this yeah that's <laughs> the mm-hmm. yeah secret it history it is, it is it its own can of worms yeah like don't <laughs> don't treat secret history like it's absolute fact <laughs> uh, yeah but um i don't know i mean I, I do find it interesting though that like even without lynch directing her like in those episodes like uh, josie is kind of paralleled with with laura in this whole thing you know it's mm-hmm. like she has this oppressive situation oh, that she 100%. can't get out of and she has all this power but she's only able to use it within so much latitude mm-hmm. and yeah. um i i think honestly that's why she ends up in the drawer pull is because like their stories are very similar yeah well i always think back to secret diary where laura mentions josie and how she it just the way she talks about Josie and her meeting and Josie trying to put like her charms onto mm-hmm. Laura and Laura is just so far advanced. And so just more, she's just better at doing it. Yeah. That it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love the parallel of it. Um, I just wish they had, maybe it would have been cooler to see like the stories parallel each other a little mm-hmm. bit more at the end. Yeah. I would yeah. like to see Josie kind of go out on top, but or at least stick it to yeah. somebody. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess she killed Thomas. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. We're getting close to running out of time, but let's see. We still have Lucy's baby daddy. And... <laughs> <laughs> I love Lucy. Oh. Leo and um, Wyndham Earl. Like, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about really any of those. Also, Donna's daddy storyline, but I find that's yeah. the most pointless storyline. Yeah, that, that one seems Not only do we never follow up on it, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody <laughs> literally tells her that is actually <laughs> her dad, for sure. You know, it's it's all there in context, but yeah. God, Wyndham Earl should be there, but like the, the baby daddy stuff, I think, was just there because, you know, it's like you've got, <laughs> you've got Andy from... Like he he's named after uh, Andy Griffith. Uh, Lucy is named after Lucille Ball. Dick is probably named after Dick Van Dyke. You know, it's like they just mm-hmm. wanted to have wacky hijinks that they could yeah. enjoy oh, yeah. character interactions with there. So yeah, like, <laughs> I, I really think it's I, I really do think it's that simple for those folks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what about okay. Wyndham Earl? Wyndham. Now, this is the one thing that only this time watching through, I was like, because he makes he's talking about the him and cooper's past and mm-hmm. we never really get it explained but it almost feels to be like wyndham has already set up cooper to be mm-hmm. like wyndham is like five steps ahead of what is happening here and yeah. we never really find out we talked a lot about how he has endless resources and is going across the country with yeah. mm-hmm. thousands lots. of disguises <laughs> lots, of, lots of tech <laughs> somewhere yeah <laughs> 
But really considering that he was Cooper's mentor at the yeah. FBI, that is like, I would love to see that prequel series because yeah. that's the most interesting, never filled in bit of yeah. the second season to me. <laughs> yep. And they fill in some of it with that My Life, My Tapes book that Scott Frost wrote that came out. It, it would have come out right at the end. No, not yet. Oh, OK. They would have they would have put that book out like right after the finale or right before mm. the finale of the season. I've never read that one. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like they kind of make it seem like Wyndham Earl. I mean, th they heavily imply that Wyndham Earl is the one who killed Caroline and whatever. You know, and then they do yes. reveal that in the finale. But, you know, it's like it, it's it's just like right at that line. And they do it, it in this way, like, like he where sets up Cooper to yeah to have the affair with Caroline yes. in the first place. Yes. Like it's fulfilling mm -hmm. some sort of something that he needs Cooper to do to be able to get him to yeah. <laughs> and it, it seems like Earl is kind of Lodge influenced at that point, and like mm -hmm. you know he possibly abducted Caroline for a period of time, and mm -hmm. like you know she she goes missing in that book for a slight amount, but you know it's like it and and it seems like. Cooper's been targeted by the lodge for a while. Like, you know, he, he's being targeted in his dreams in a way, too. Mm. You, yes. you, you could like, take I it almost feel way. like he what was a Cooper. Yeah. Like, he was good. And then the lodge mm. influence yeah. turned him. Yeah. Like, they, well, they, they were almost <laughs> going for Cooper in his dreams, like, you know, even as early as like before his mother died. And, um, like there, there's all these things that kind of point to like you know it's like they've been the the lodge has been watching Cooper for a very 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 long time, and it seems like so has Wyndham Earl. So it's like has the lodge actually been manipulating Earl into getting Cooper into the lodge so that you know perhaps that could be how Bob gets Cooper. Mm. And how much of it is just there's really no like time, and so it's a weird cyclical like. Yeah, has it already happened, or is uh -huh. it future? Yeah. Is it past? Like... Yeah, it's like we know it's happened already. So this is how it's going to begin happening, and this is how we make it happen through time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's all kinds of machinations like that, and it's really interesting <laughs> that it's like Lodge Spacey version of like the mill plot. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. Talking about that, I was so it just makes me think about like uh, it seems like Bob has this obsession with people he has difficulty controlling because yes. he became obsessed with Laura. We know that. And then he ended up getting her at the end. But if you're thinking about like this long game, maybe that Wyndham was playing of being influenced by the black lodge and then trying to get Coop there. And they've been visiting Coop for a long time and they haven't been able to break him or get him to do like they did Wyndham. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like this obsession with, and I don't know, it just makes me rethink like what their, the goal of like the Black Lodge is like, I would assume to cause chaos and malintent in the world mm -hmm. and spread that. But like this obsession with people they can't really break right away is just really interesting. Like what is, what is the obsession? Yeah. What is the point yeah. of it? Well, it might just yeah, be haven't... as simple as um, uh, Philip Gerard in um, episode 16. He talks about this golden circle of appetite and satisfaction. Mm. I mean, it could just be that simple that, you know, mm -hmm. it's like it's just want. It's just like that yeah. innate kind of prehistoric yeah, kind um, of feelings. Yeah. I feel like a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff is what gets filled in in future Twin Peaks. Like, mm -hmm. not filled in, but, mm -hmm. you know. Kind of told. Added to the lore. Yeah. Um, 
I, it's funny because we haven't really done a ton of like speculating on this podcast. And I don't know if it's just mm-hmm. the nature of the first two seasons aren't as speculative or mm-hmm. if it's just we don't have time for it with everything else <laughs> we're doing on the podcast. But I I feel like once we finally get to like Fire Walk with me in season three, we will mm-hmm. really. Oh, yeah. Because I listen to all some the other podcasts, yours specifically, and there's a lot of speculation. And I'm like, I feel like we're not doing any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, like if you don't, if you're not looking at a big picture, like with all of it together, I mean, you know, there's only so far you can speculate anyway. And it's like the right. yeah. the most speculation right up until this uh, season two finale was, you know, like what is the relationship between Bob and Leland? And like that's that's almost all there is to speculate about. Mm. because like that's kind of the core of the issue that like laura had to go through and everything you know it's like what is what is the relationship between this weird mythology and um the 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 physical world of twin peaks yeah and like now there's plot involved in that so like now there's plenty of speculation (laughs) 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 okay well we're getting close i wanted to ask one more thing Mm -hmm. let's go with okay of all of the like storylines that we just were talking about which of those do you wish you had been able to learn more about that we never really did you know like we do go into stuff in season three but none of it really is you know taken up from exactly Mm -hmm. where we leave off so what storyline are you like most regretful that we never really got to explore on the show briggs and hawk going into the lodge to get cooper mm-hmm. that would have been amazing <laughs> yeah been like amazing. You know, like the, however however they decide to do it like those two plus margaret in some capacity yes, and please. um you know yeah. thanks to lynch actually being present in the show also like sarah palmer you know it's like all mm-hmm. of that stuff would have come back in a huge 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 way and yeah you know it's like ah you know <laughs> what what could have been <laughs> and i think think about the potential of having this like quote-unquote task force of all these random assortment of people who are only connected because of their personal connections to the lodge mm-hmm. and i think about like i don't watch riverdale but i've heard a lot of like where they've progressed to <laughs> as of right now and think about like all these people like they just all have their own sort of supernatural connection whether it's like nadine with like her strength or um mm-hmm. laura's mom with like her almost like psychic connection to the lodge in a way and to bob and it just would have been really cool to see like it progress into this like almost beyond supernatural element of them going into the lodge and battling yeah that would have been so awesome <laughs> We should write some fan fiction. Um, <laughs> right. I'm sure there's <laughs> some good ones out there. <laughs> I would suspect so. I don't see a lot of Twin Peaks fan fiction. I see a lot wow. of speculation, but maybe I'm just not in the right circles. Are there? Do you know of a lot, John? I'm <laughs> I'm trying to remember the um the the something of our own. Do you know like about that? I I can't think of the name of the thing anymore. But um, one of the one of the feedbackers, Tyler. Um, uh, from Sparkwood and Twenty One, he would he would post on there too. He he did like Buffy Twin Peaks fan fiction, where like you know like Laura Laura was a Slayer basically, like yeah. So hmm. I I know That's there's cool. um I know there's um a whole bunch of different kinds of fan fiction out there, and it's not just you know 
Cooper and Harry romance and Cooper and Audrey romance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe me and Christian should write a um, (laughs) the uh, powers of good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be cool. I love that. Um, Okay, well, it was so great to talk to you again, John. I mean, well, we'll probably have to have you back when we have. uh, you know, we can finally get to more Twin Peaks again. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to do like any kind of any kind of thing you want. I'm happy for it. Oh, good. <laughs> Is there okay? Well, tell us where we can find your podcast and your writing. Are you still writing for 25 years later? Uh, sort of. <laughs> or have you just pretty much covered all of Twin Peaks there is to cover at this point? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, if, if I had more time to it, like, you know, I, I, I prep like crazy for the podcast and, um, yeah. you know, like that's pretty much where all my energy goes into, but I know there's still a handful of things that I'm going to be publishing for 25 uh, through 25 YL. And, uh, currently that's still at 25 years later site.com, but yeah, I've got this whole <laughs> this whole treasure trove of like season three related theory crafting and whatever else uh, it's um uh what else uh oh yeah and then you know blue rose task force you know you can find it at um i, I think it's a transistor site but you know oh god i can't even think of it but ruminations radio network.com that's that's where you can get to that podcast plus any other show on the network and yeah, yeah it's it's uh, that that's pretty much <laughs> where you're going to get me uh, in uh, GPB <laughs> underscore little green on Twitter and uh, Blue Rose Task for or Blue Rose TF podcast at Twitter and yeah like we're we're kind of all over the place but Twitter is probably my favorite out of the social medias. Yeah, <laughs> if you have to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> well. If you haven't watched all of Twin Peaks, then be wary about going into John's podcast. But if you have and you just really like to break it down and all the speculation, it's an amazing podcast. You should definitely check it out. We love having you as a guest, John. And we're so glad you could make it back because it wouldn't feel right if we got to the finale. Oh. <laughs> we didn't get to talk yeah, to you exactly. after I agree. having you for the previous finales. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, kind of finales. Nelly and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And I, I totally second that. I, I was I was waiting for this episode for a while. I'm happy to, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> uh, hopefully we got to talk about everything you would have wanted to. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with Pers- Persuasion. I don't know. <laughs> I think we may have yeah. another interview next week. So Yeah, yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Another interview. Persuasion-esque interview. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for today. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. Thank you so much. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersandmadness.com. And if you would like to support the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you prefer. We also have a donate button on our website, mannersandmadness.com. Yes. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye. Bye.